Welcome everyone to the new Votes and Seeds podcast of the Center for Political Science of the Matthias Corvinus Collegium. My name is Sabo Janik, researcher of the Center. Today we will talk about the Israeli legislative election held on the 1st of November. And I have the honor to welcome Mr. Ophir Ivory, Vice President of the Herzl Institute of Jerusalem and the co-founder of the Edmund Burke Foundation of Washington, D.C. Currently, he is a visiting fellow at the Danube Institute in Budapest, where he researches the traditions of European conservatism. Mr. Harvey, thank you very much for accepting our invitation for this discussion. Thank you for having me. First of all, Israel had the fifth elections in four years, which fact reflects some serious government instability in the country. Could you briefly summarize the context of the latest election, including the political developments that led to it? We had the... Uh five elections in uh, basically less than three years, uh, basically because of, uh, I would say, a personal clash, a personal clash for and against Netanyahu. So it was less elections about, let's say, uh, policy disagreements or something like that, because the electorate in Israel is overwhelmingly tending to the right. I would say that about 60% is on the right, and 40%, maybe even less, on the left. But uh, within the right, which is the majority, there was like a split uh, for and against Netanyahu after he was uh, uh, indicted um, uh, under some suspicions that the, the, um, the trial is going on. But under Israeli law, uh, you, ca- you can stay in power until you're either acquitted or uh, found guilty. And this might go, go on for two, three, four years. So um, officially, Netanyahu said, I will, I'm innocent, I will stay in power. Part of the right said that the right thing to do was, was to uh, leave power. Uh, it, is, it is agreed. So there were a few rounds of uh, elections which, which are inconclusive. Uh, the, the round before last, uh, the opposition succeeded in getting a, a very small majority and there was created a, a, a broad coalition government of uh, left, center, some of the right, but it succeeded in going on for for a bit more than a year. And then there were the, the last elections uh, on, on the 1st of November. And in these elections, there was a decisive uh, uh, result uh, Netanyahu won, his coalition won a, a broad victory, uh, although the, the actual difference between the two groups in votes wasn't that big because of the Israeli electoral law, uh, there, there are two parties that didn't pass the threshold and this gave uh, an artificially to Netanyahu a very a relatively large uh, majority and he can now at least, uh, apparently, rule Israeli uh, Israeli politics for four or five years. Yes, so some commentators and analysts said that it was rather a referendum on the person of uh, Netanyahu, actually, than, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a fight between two, two different sides, but, but rather on, on uh, Netanyahu. So yeah, the, uh, the, the, yeah, this is the, the truth and also the problem, because we had basically five referendums, all these elections were on the person of Netanyahu. So during the elections, you couldn't hear 
for instance, issues, people saying we should have higher taxes, lower taxes, more immigration, less immigration. There was almost no debate on those issues. Also on matters of, uh, let's say, security, there weren't a lot of disagreements. Basically, it was all centered on the person of Netanyahu and if his return to power would be a good or bad thing, which I think that uh, politically was uh, was not very good for the country because the political debate suffered in the sense that we, we did not have political debate. We had personal debate, which are never interesting. You mentioned that the larger part of the Israeli society uh, supports the right, the political right. And uh, I would ask what other cleavages or or what what kind of divisions structure the, the political behavior, the voting of the Israeli people, not in speaking generally? So I would say that uh, in general, I would say there are, uh, broadly speaking, three main uh, groups in Israeli society, uh, which have, uh, I would say, clear differences in voting. So there is the Arab population, which is... Uh, um, less than uh, 20% of the population. And for historical reasons, it has voted for left re- leftist parties, usually, usually Arab parties, that did not want to take part in coalitions, left or right. They were opposed to the policies of the governments. And so in a sense, they, they took themselves outside of the political game. Lately, there has been one party called uh, Ram who has decided that an Arab party that decided that it wants to be part of the political game and it's willing to go with right or left, but also this is only part of the the Arab vote. The other uh, uh, group also, I would say, let's say maybe 15%, are the ultra-Orthodox Jews who have their uh, main interest is in preserving various uh, aspects of their way of life, and they are less, uh, um, I would say, less involved in uh, decisions having to be with a larger economy or with uh, education or with uh, uh, foreign relations. They are mainly uh, active in politics to to defend the way of life of this, this community. So these two groups together, they, they uh, consist of something like uh, 30 to 35% of the population. And the rest, uh, 65% to 70%, are uh, Israelis of various shades. And, and those Israelis of various shades are tend to be uh, uh, more on the right than on the left. And also the ultra-Orthodox, for various reasons, uh, tend to support more right-wing governments. So this creates a kind of ingrained block that uh, uh, I would say the general Israeli electorate is about... 70% on the right or 60% on the right but if you took if you look only on the at the Jewish vote the Jewish vote is even more on the right than the general population it's about 70 to 75% going uh, going right and if we if we wish to to think about the the policy differences the different policy positions taken by the Israel left and the right uh, could you mention some large differences which were not that important, I understand that, uh, in these elections uh, recently, but which, which can give some points for the voters uh, to, to it, on which side uh, they, they finally yes. want to vote. Yes. I would say that basically uh, the main difference in Israeli politics has been for, uh, I would say, almost two generations, the, the issue of uh, 
uh, foreign relations, basically the chance of having some kind of uh, deal, peace deal with the Palestinians and uh, maybe having to have to give concessions to the Palestinians. Because on the economic front, although in general the right is more pro-market and the left is more socialist, de facto Israeli society has uh, is overwhelmingly to the right. There are almost, I mean, the, the, the people who call themselves socialists really in Israel are a very small group. And uh, I, I would say uh, th- there is no market at all. No, no one wants uh, really left, uh, left-wing policies in economics. It, also in culture, things like, uh, um, I would say, you know, all the critical race theory or all these theories. And in, in Israel, they are very, uh, I mean, almost no one follows them. And so the main split in Israel has used to be, I would say, it is to, to us in a sense today, but it used to be uh, clearer. It was between the left that said, we are willing to, to uh, give and concede a lot of territories and other things, even, even have some security risks for Israel in order to, to arrive to a peace with Palestinians and peace with our other Arab countries. And the right rejected this view and said, we have to remain on our positions. And if someone wants to have peace with us, let him come to us and uh, accept it on, on our terms. What happened in the last generation that um, uh, a few attempts to achieve peace have failed and Israel has, has been attacked with missiles and terrorism. And this has, every time this happened, the left has l- l- lost some of its appeal so in effect, in effect, what happens is that even although, although in theory the divide between left and right in Israel is on the on the foreign policy uh, uh, divide, in fact, even the left today says we agree that there is no uh, vi- uh, visible way to achieve peace with the Palestinians, and th- this is one of the reasons why the left is so weak because basically the left has lost its agenda. It's more, it becomes more of a social thing. Left is more, uh, or, uh, you know, in, in the big cities and richer people and more liberal, but it's a very general thing. The, the, the actual agenda of the left has uh, lost way, the way. And so the, the, the leftist party is becoming weaker and weaker. Could you please mention some campaign issues? I, I know it's hard because everything was centered around Netanyahu. Uh, and and how people see him, but, but still, could you mention please some uh, campaign issues that could co- be called relevant and uh, the main party's position on on such issues? And uh, was the hung, uh, Ukrainian crisis uh, on the agenda in any form? Well, actually, I would say that uh, the the uh, the Ukrainian uh, crisis was very little on the agenda because in Israel there is a very, very, very broad agreement. Uh, I would say quite close to the Hungarian uh, view that one, clearly Russia is the, Russia is the aggressor, Russia t- attacked Ukraine, and this war is not, uh, I mean, there are not two sides, but on the other hand, uh, one has to look realistically at what can be achieved And also there are vital interests of your country, in the case of Hungary, you understand what that, but in case of Israel, because 
there are um, uh, uh, many Jews who still live in Ukraine and in Russia. In fact, far more Jews live in Russia than in Ukraine. The Israeli governments are always very careful not to arrive to a situation where there would be a crisis with Russia that might affect negatively uh, Jews. So in general, the, the Israeli view uh, with Netanyahu, with Lapid, bo- both sides are very much in agreement that uh, they in general uh, say that this uh, attack is the fault of Russia, but they are against continuing the war, the, the, the more hawkish line on the, on the West that says, let's continue the war even in another five years, let's supply. Israel is supplying Ukraine only a non-military hardware, so uh, medical and other things, but not uh, anything. And it, 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 it has even offered a few times to host talks between the, the parties to achieve a, at, at least a ceasefire. So this is on the Hungarian issue. Uh, sorry, on the, on the Ukrainian issue. I said Hungarian because it's very strange, but uh, in fact, the leaders of, of three uh, of the main Israeli parties are of Hungarian families. So the, the, the current prime minister, Lapid, and uh, also uh, the, the leader of the centrist party, whose name is Gantz, and also the leader of, of the labor, uh, she's the granddaughter of Kastner, was uh, in uh, also Hungarian, so that three of them are actually from Hungary. So the, the, it's it's a joke in Israel, Israel that all the left, all the uh, Hungarians on the left left Hungary and came to Israel and lead the parties. It's, it's not really, but it's a joke. Yes. If you talk about the and proceed to the election results, uh, is there anything in them that you find particularly interesting, which was uh, surprising to you? I would say that the two uh, significant uh, elements are that uh, uh, on the left, again, as I said, the the actual victory of the Netanyahu uh, bloc was, I would say, uh, less than 20,000 votes. And the reason is that two parties almost achieved the the threshold. One is the far left merits parties who had had to have another 2,000 votes and would have passed the threshold and got four seats in the parliament. And another was, uh, I think, uh, uh, it's called Balad. It's a far-left uh, Arab party that it it it, ha- it had another, it needed another 12 or, or 1,500, uh, or 15,000, sorry, 12,000 or 15,000 votes. So to, together, another 20,000 votes for the left would have made it uh, the, either... Uh, that I wouldn't have, it would be 50-50 or 51, a very small majority. So in effect, and before the elections, there were discussions on the left of uniting in a in a big front in order to not lose votes. But uh, the Labour Party decided not to co- be in coalition with, and the Arab Party is also split between them. And basically the split of votes on the left uh, created the fact that, that uh, uh, the left lot, lost a lot of uh, seats because of this. And so Netanyahu now has a 10-seat a, a majority where maybe he would have one or two. And or, of course, the, the election brought a success for, say, the Netanyahu bloc. Uh, but which parties could be the most and least satisfied seeing the results, if we go into the details? Most satisfied? Yes. And the least satisfied, on okay. the other hand. So... Uh, I would say in one way, Netanyahu is satisfied himself, but the results 
are not very good for him on another level. Because Netanyahu historically always liked to be the center of his coalition, meaning having some part, parties to his left, some to his right. So he, he would call also balance. And when some wing of the government was going too far, he would block them and say, no, the other parties are against and so on. So we could now, but the situation was that uh, now his whole coalition is very is skewed very much to the right he, because no, no left or center parties is willing to be in his coalition. And also his Likud, he, he would have hoped the Likud to, to have far more votes, meaning to be uh, 60 or 70% of the coalition. But in fact, he has uh, achieved uh, barely 50%. So his, his partners actually have more votes, more seats in the parliament than his party. So in this way, to, to some level, Netanyahu is, a, is, is happy with the victory, but he can be disappointed. Now, on the, on the left, I would say that, of course, uh, uh, except for one party, all the left and center parties uh, should be disappointed, meaning the labor barely got in, and uh, I'm not sure if the labor party will continue to exist because it, 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 in a sense it has lost its uh, identity. It used to be a center-left center party, and it, it moved to the left to the point where it became like a radical, a, a far-left radical, but there are no, no more votes there. So uh, it got only four seats. It had seven, and even, even 10 years ago, it was the major majority uh, opposition parties. The same with, with most Arab parties. I would say that one party that can be uh, satisfied is Lapid's party because Lapid had for many years to contend with Labour and with Gantz with the other parties about who is the leading party on the left. There were, there were a few parties more or less the same size but in this election Lapid uh, I think he got 24 uh, seats but in any case far more than any other party. So clearly he's the leader of the opposition and in, if any uh, future prime minister is going to be from the left, is going to be Lapid. So Lapid has established his hegemony of the, the center left, and he can be happy about the result. He's unhappy that he lost the election, but his, part, his party did very good. And another party that, that uh, in a sense, could be also happy is the Arab Ram party, which is, the, it, this was the only part Arab party that took place in a coalition in the last uh, government, which was unusual until this for, I would say, almost 40 years, no Arab party took part in a coalition. And he made this move, and many uh, people uh, assumed that he would be punished and his party would be destroyed. Not only that didn't happen, but he, he gained 20% of the vote more. And now he's the biggest Arab party. So obviously the Arab electors have given him a prize, have said, we believe in this way, we want the Arab parties actually to take part in the coalition and political life of the general Israeli and not, not be out of the game. So in a sense, he also can be happy with the result. In a few days or weeks, uh, Israel will have its new government. What will be the key uh, political and policy challenges for, for the new cabinet? What do you think? What issues will be on the agenda? Well, I would say that the, the main issue is that... Uh, um, many members of the new coalition uh, run on a platform, and this also touches on the issues that were, we, I didn't discuss too much the issues on, the, but so uh, one of the main issues, because of Netanyahu personally, the whole issue of the judicial system came up. So 
some people in Netanyahu's own party and uh, in the uh, uh, religious Zionist party, uh, which is the, the largest member of the coalition after the Likud. So these two industrial parties, a lot of members, uh, stress the need for very extensive judicial reforms, reforming the way Supreme Court judges are elected, reforming the possibility of the judges of uh, uh, overturning laws passed by parliament and other, sorry, other issues. So this would mean a very radical uh, attack or re- very radical clash with the judicial system and a, a, an attempt to change it. So these groups run on this platform and now they want to actually carry it out. Netanyahu f- finds himself in a situation very uneasy for him. One, he was never one, he was never very much a supporter of changes in the judicial system. And also now every change will be looked as if he wants to protect his own interest. He's uh, uh, changing because to save himself from, from judgment, which puts him in a very uneasy position. So uh, I, would, I would think that the big question of this government will be, um, I would say, first and foremost, to what extent these uh, uh, large reforms in the judicial system will be carried out? What kind of clashes there will be? Will they? Will the government uh, go all the way? Will it uh, stop at a certain point because of uh, uh, opposition? But, but this, I think that this will be the main issue uh, on which it will fight the political battle. And what is your opinion? Will this new government be able to survive until the next uh, scheduled election? Well, in political terms, it's very homogenous. It has a clear majority and it should uh, survive for, for five years. The point is that uh, the whole uh, structure is built on uh, the willingness of Netanyahu to go on. Uh, and again, many people opposed him because of the, this same reason that in, in a sense, the political realm and the personal are becoming too connected because now he will have to deal with the Iranian threat, security, economic, and also he will have to appear in court every few weeks. In, in his own, uh, there are I think two or three trials going on. So many people say it's, it's not a good situation for the state. And also it might be the case that uh, he, he might be indicted in one of the cases, or maybe there, there will be some plea deal where he will agree to some things and maybe leave office. So I think that the big question about it, in, in political terms, this government is unified and should survive. But in uh, on the personal level, the weakest link is actually Netanyahu himself, who might cause, who might cause the government to, to uh, fall before the end of its uh, mandate. Thank you. And my final question would be, with some Hungarian relevance, Uh, maybe also the most of the listeners know that Viktor Orban and Benjamin Netanyahu have a traditionally good cordial relationship. Uh, in what fields can the two governments deepen the this uh, fruitful cooperation in the future? What do you think? Well, uh, I would think that uh, I can think of two or three things uh, of mu- mutual uh, interest. Uh, first of all, I think that one... Uh, Clearly, uh, Israel and Hungary have fairly similar views on the Ukrainian uh, war, and there might be s- some cooperation between them, maybe trying to 
propose some kind of brokered agreement or maybe some kind of uh, summit to discuss possibilities uh, because we know that on the West, some countries, especially the US and Poland, but some other countries are uh, arguing for continuing the war indefinitely, maybe for years, and are, are, are ready to give uh, uh, armaments and uh, money to the Ukrainians. Other countries are more skeptical, think that they, uh, in practical terms and in terms of uh, human suffering, it's better to find some kind of stop- stopping this war. Again, I'm not sure if it's possible, but these uh, differences of uh, perspective exist, and this might be one uh, one way of uh, addressing it. Uh, another thing I think is uh, which is important is the uh, a common uh, uh, interests in energy because Hungary, like other European countries, but Hungary even more. Uh, uh, European countries have found they are too dependent on uh, Russian uh, gas and they have no, no real options. So uh, the idea is to uh, take forward the idea of having uh, uh, gas from Israel, from Cyprus, maybe from Egypt, all this area in the, in the Eastern Mediterranean arriving to Europe and uh, building a, a pipeline that it might not solve all the problems, but having let's say even 30% of your energy coming from another source means that, you know, also in terms of dependence, but also in terms of cost, it, it might might be, uh, you know, you, c- you can have it better. And the third and last uh, issue of cooperation, I think that uh, Israel and Hungary have some uh, level of, uh, I would say, uh, uh, similar interests in the fact that uh, they are uh, depicted by uh, some liberal international media and some liberal countries as ca- as very different from what they are. So if you read some papers uh, in some countries, you think that uh, uh, Hungary is a fascist state and Israel is an apartheid state. But of course, everyone who goes to these places say this is nonsense. So basically, they can, I think, cooperate uh, in, uh, I think, countering these ideas and also uh, helping each other uh, against various boycotts. For instance, we know that the U- European uh, uh, European Union has uh, uh, is trying to uh, impose some policies on Hungary. We know that uh, the European Union, unfortunately, many times uh, is uh, voting and trying to put shank- sanctions on Israel on many issues. And I think that in, in both cases, we can help each other with other countries. Also now, Italy also has changed government. So, so there can be like a kind of block of countries cooperating in this sense. And I would be very glad uh, from an Israeli perspective if uh, Hungary with other countries can uh, uh, assist in uh, changing the attitude of uh, the EU in general to Israel because the most EU countries, not Hungary, but other EU countries, uh, usually vote uh, for anti-Israeli um, uh, decision in the UN, and we would like uh, there to be a more balanced attitude. Thank you very much, Professor, for uh, being with us today, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, dear listeners, thank you for following our Votes and Seeds podcast on this year's Israeli legislative election, and please stay uh, tuned for our future episodes. Goodbye to everyone. <laughs>